Hi, and welcome back. This is Blaine Bartlett. You're listening to The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. And I'm excited today about uh, the guests that we're going to be having uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, number one, it's a gentleman that I've known for well over 20 years. And, uh, and I love this guy. I mean, he, he, he's amazing. He has done some phenomenal things uh, with the organization that I'm going to be talking about and in the industry sector that I'm going to be actually referencing, which is the second reason I'm really excited uh, to have Lee Angus with me. Um, you know, the area that focus that uh, his organization uh, plays in is healthcare. And particularly given what we have on the, uh, uh, you know, the horizon today and what we're you know, deep in the middle of, I can't think of a more relevant topic to speak to, uh, both in terms of the consumer side as, as a patient, but also on the delivery side as you know, the docs and the administrators of hospital systems and that sort of thing, which is really where uh, Lee's firm works. Uh, Lee Angus is the president and a co-founder of an organization called Medi, Medi Leadership, M-E-D-I. And they are a wholly owned subsidiary, uh, subsidiary of Navis Healthcare, which is one of the larger healthcare organizations um, and I say healthcare organizations, they, they provide services, uh, organizational development services to uh, healthcare systems, you know, particularly in this country, but they also you know, have got a little bit broader footprint than that. So uh, we'll get into some bi uh, biographical background as uh, the conversation unfolds here, but I wanna just welcome Lee Angus, my good friend and actually a colleague. So Lee, welcome. Thank you, Blaine. It's always a privilege to be with you, to visit with you. Well. I appreciate you taking the time. I know what your schedule's like, and uh, it's uh, an honor to have you here. Uh, like I said, I, I mean, I've known you for you know twenty some odd years, and um, I, I remember sitting in a living room with you when Medi was co-founded yep. uh, by you and a couple of you know your brother and a couple of other folks uh, that kind of came into play here. And you are now the president uh, of this organization, and you have done some amazing things with it. It is one of, in my estimation, I think it is probably the most um, well-recognized coaching uh, executive development firm uh, that's working in the healthcare space right now. So a couple of things. Yeah, first of all, all of my guests, and we start off with this question, when you hear the soul of business, you know, just that, that phrase, what does that evoke for you both personally, but also in, in the healthcare environment today? Hmm. Um, personally, um, it, it invokes uh, why I love to do what I do. And uh, that's important to me. I think um, leaders being able to capture the heart and soul of someone around something that is important to them and that aligns with their their vision and their mission, I think that's key. And personally, you know, when I, I listen to you ask that question, it invokes um, just joy for me. And uh, I, I love to collaborate with leaders who are facing some incredible challenges in an increasingly, already incredible and increasingly complex world. And uh, being able to collaborate with them, help them succeed, help them build their own strengths, leverage existing strengths, 
it's a lot of fun. Um, it's, it's a privilege. And so to me personally, that's, that's the soul of business. I, I often, and I think you and I visit maybe a little bit about this, but when I meet with a potential new client, I, I kind of, I go like this. Um, we're on a quest to figure out if this is going to be fun or if this is going to be brain trauma because life's too short for brain trauma. And let's figure that out quickly so that we can, and if it's fun, great, let's collaborate. If it's brain trauma, there's plenty of other people to collaborate with. And that, I, I just believe that. I think that's part of success. I think that's part of the joy of business. I think that's part of the soul of business when I think about it. Yeah, it's a great answer. You know, what... That, and I and we've had conversations about this. And uh, the idea here of you know, what does what does the future hold? You know, why would why would I engage you and or Medi as, you know, as a physician or as a hospital administrator in the first place? And partly it has to do with my desire to see a future state different than what I'm currently experiencing. And it's not necessarily because something's broken right now, but I just want to you know I want to I want to have things be quote unquote better in some way, shape, or form. And yeah. I don't have to be broken in order to get better. Yeah. Yeah. How, how do people come to Medi? Yeah. These, mm. these large systems, because you work with some of the largest hospital systems um, and healthcare systems you know, in the country. We do. Um, <clears throat> it's, it's an interesting question. We, um, uh, I think we're beginning to be more recognized just through broad marketing and, and recognition is coming out. People will find us through, through, um, you know, the social networking connections. Historically, it has been through relationships, um, relationships of trust with leaders that are in place, uh, that have been in, in a place. And it's, it's leveraging that, um, that trusted relationship where someone says, uh, a leader says either, hey, I am in a position where I need thought partners, um, you know better than I do, I think, Blaine, how lonely a CEO position can be and how, you know, providing a forum where that leader can have thought partners in a space where the only agenda at play is her or his success. Um, so through those relationships, they seek that. Um, through our Navis uh, parent company, um, they are they are swinging for the fences in terms of redesigning how healthcare operates in this country. And it's pretty amazing to watch the, the drastic changes they're bringing to play technology and outstanding people and improved processes that make it easier for um, customers, for patients, for providers, for payers to navigate that whole world. And so sometimes our clients come to us through those connections, through Navis. Um, and a lot of it is over the years, we've built tr uh, trusted relationships with leaders that have moved around the, the, the country, the industry, and we get the privilege of, of uh, joining with them as they enter a new organization. Um, it, it's an incredibly complex world and they, they leaders have to look at this ambiguous future in front of them and say, how do I want to show up here? How does my organization play here? What can I create? What opportunities can I seize? 
what impact can I have? And that is a, that's probably some of the richest stuff that leaders can do. And, and it's lonely. So to have really outstanding people as your coach, kind of looking at the situation with you. Um, and I say that hopefully not in a boastful way, but I think Blaine, you know, the, the pool of people that we're fortunate enough to, to operate with. And, and it's an incredibly humbling thing. The, these people have incredible experience and then they have the, the uh, disposition of a coach, um, of a thought partner, of not someone that's going to come in and tell you, you need to do it this way, but mm -hmm. someone that might speak truth to you in a way that others may not be willing to or able to. And, uh, help you see where perhaps you can grow, but also partner with you at looking at that future and, and how to navigate that ambiguity. So I don't know, does that get close to answering? Oh, your it absolutely. I mean, it, it really does. You know, you bring up a couple of things. You know, one is, you know, this notion that, you know, you know, a, a world that moves us is one that we imagine. It's not the ones that we actually are living in. So, you know, my experience in coaching um, in, you know, the 40 years or so that I've been doing it, um, is that if we can tap into that possibility, what's that future? What, you know, just imagine what it could be like, and then have that kind of be the focal point as we move forward. So that's, I, I mean, I love the coaches that you have brought into the Medi uh, environment, your, your core group, and as well as the peripheral secondary uh, group of coaches uh, that Medi has. As you mentioned, I think it's some of the most phenomenally gifted and um, professional uh, coaches I've ever had the, you know, actually uh, pleasure of working with. Um, sharp, intelligent, bright, selfless. And that kind of speaks to, you know, the, the healthcare uh, uh, ethos to begin with, you know, first True. do no harm. You know, if I go back to that. Um, you talk about the complexity of the healthcare system and, you know, we've got, you know, basically, you know, well, there's, there's a number of constituencies that are continuously in play. There's the patient, there's the, uh, you know, obviously uh, there's the administration, there's the docs, there's the, uh, the nurses. And then you've got the other side of it, which is the payers, um, you know, the, uh, the insurance organizations, all of that stuff in the coaching work that uh, your folks do and that Medi does, can you describe a little bit how you keep connection to the soul of healthcare with those oftentimes competing constituencies? Yeah, I think that is the core. Um, I, I oftentimes, in fact, I think Blaine, in, in yours and my past experience, we, we had the privilege of coaching together a leader and you may recall me giving some feedback to her that her leadership style had a strongly managerial flavor. Do you remember that? I do. I remember and, 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 when, when that conversation took place. Yeah. And it's, it's fascinating to, to see the difference. So managers, one, one of the things I've learned from you, my, actually my favorite definition of leadership, um, and because it's the simplest, but I think it's also very, very insightful and direct, co-creating, coordinated movement. Mm -hmm. And, and so leaders peer into that ambiguous future or this incredibly complex world that they need to navigate and they co-create coordinated movement. Managers uh, 
drive movement. I think what speaks to the soul of business is a leader outlining a mission and a vision that is compelling to the people that she or he leads and articulates values that will drive the, the journey towards that future. And I remember um, through my brother, I, uh, Dave Angus, I got to know um, a little bit. I got exposed to Warren Bennis, who prolific researcher, author, highly respected authority on leadership. And I remember him speaking of mission. In fact, um, I'm sure you recall his book, Organizing Genius, Secrets of Creative Collaboration. He talks about a leader's role is to capture the genius within the person and also to capture the genius within the group or set the group up such that the genius can emerge. And that's an intriguing thought to me because you know we all, we've all met, met people that say, well, if there's a genius in there, I'm not, I'm not sure I'm seeing it yet. But most people that the, our clients work with are incredibly bright, incredibly talented. And a leader's opportunity is to lay out a vision of the future that is so compelling that they want to create that people say, I am all in. I'm not just in for a uh, uh, payday. I'm not just in for, for uh, you know, keeping busy or, or um, a job. I'm in heart and soul. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think a key part of the soul of business is a leader's ability to co-create coordinated movement towards a compelling future to achieve an incredibly compelling mission that says, yeah, I want to be part of that. I want to show up in the world that way. And so I think that's, that's an important part of it. Does that resonate? Oh, it absolutely does. And, you know, when I was wrestling with that definition of leadership, uh, you know, co-creating coordinated movement, yeah, I, I actually came up with it from the perspective of, you know, that, that emerging genius, you know, notion. And, and yeah, and I, yeah, I knew Warren, as you did, um, not well, but uh, the idea here that there is an emerging genius. And this is where, you know, if, if I think about imagination, like, you know, imagination is kind of the th- at the threshold of spirit. Yeah, it's the gateway into that genius that spirit actually represents. And if I can find a way to bring that out, then how do I co-create, you know, which is the, the evo- you know, evocation, it's, it's the invitation to have others join with me and ownership actually transfers at that point. And when that ownership is transferred, emotional engagement, by definition, takes off. And, and there is no way to manage to a level of, to that level of motivation or drive in a person. I don't no. believe. I think no. that's the heart of leadership right there. Spot on. Yeah. Management is an external process. Leadership is an internal process. And, and, you know, you and I both talk about heads up and heads down you know, yeah. time in, in organizations. Yeah. You know, you know, a leader needs to take time to get their heads up so that they can actually take a, a broader picture. And, and it's in that, that almost unfocused gaze. And I don't mean unfocused in the sense that I'm not paying attention, but un, you know, it's, it's not fixated on minutia. It's not fixated on detail. It's opening up possibility. Exactly. And that idea of you know, moving possibility into reality. I mean, you work, you know, Medi works, Navis works in, in, in a, as we said, an incredibly complex system um, that 
joy is not a natural part of oftentimes because illness is present almost pervasively in many, many forms. And I want to touch on that when we come back from this break. You know, how do we keep joy in the process? You bet. So we'll take a real quick break and then we'll be back. So hang on, folks. I want to thank you for listening. Um, I want to also invite you right now to go to blainebartlett.com. And on that site, which is my personal website, you'll see uh, services up on the top menu. I'd like you to click on Leadership Mastermind. Now, why I want you to do that is we have uh, structured a mastermind program that is very unusual and it is very powerful. And by going onto that site and clicking that link, you'll be taken to a landing page that is an invitation to join this mastermind. It's a 52 week long exploration of what it takes to be a highly effective leader in today's fast changing environment. You won't regret it. And if you've been liking what you've been listening to on these Soul of Business podcasts, how does one become a leader that can keep connection to the soul of business? That's what we look at. That's what we're about in this mastermind program. So again, go to blainebartlett.com and click on the services link. And there you'll find the link to the Leadership Mastermind program. Look forward to seeing you there. Thanks for listening to this little commercial. And now back to our show. Hi, and welcome back. You're listening to The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. My guest today, Lee Angus, the C, uh, not the CEO, he's the president, I, I just promoted you, of an organization <laughs> called Medi, uh, Medi Leadership. Uh, one of the you know, most uh, effective uh, executive leadership coaching firms that focuses on the healthcare space. And just before our break, Lee, we were talking about, you know, at least I was talking about, and I introduced it, uh, how we how we bring because how we bring joy into the experience of being in the healthcare system. Now that almost seems like an oxymoron. Sure does. Yeah, in one sense, because people come in, they're sick, they're 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 scared. Um, that's at the patient level. At the doc, you know, if I'm a doctor or I'm an administrator, I'm I'm continuously dealing with, you know, from an administrative side. Um, you know, the bottom line, you know, it's, a it's a tight margin uh, business, business in many ways, particularly today where elective processes have been sidelined. Um, and the docs and the nurses are dealing with people that are, uh, uh, you know, they're traumatized. Yeah. Yes. So this notion of joy, and I, may, I bring joy into this because when I tap into the spirit of things, in my experience, joy is a consequence of being able to have access to the spirit of life, the spirit of living, the spirit of you know, the soul of business. Uh, so do you have any thoughts? And I'd be very interested in that. And this is kind of a left field question. <laughs> uh, but what's, what's the uh, relevance of joy in the healthcare system and in the work that you do uh, with the clients that you work with? Hmm. It's a really good question. Um, I think of it in two lines. Um, one is, I think of all of the providers, the, those who have dedicated their lives to developing an expertise in a given area of medicine and care. And 
I, I fear that uh, currently a lot of the joy is lost. Um, burnout is high, pressure is high. You'll hear, I, I got into medicine because I wanted to treat people, not fill out forms and, and uh, complete you know, computer screens. And they understand, these are brilliant people. They understand that there's a need, but there is opportunity there to, to you know, flip it from, you got a broken arm, I'll fix your broken arm, to let's take care of your well-being as a whole. And let's help you, let, let me be your partner in your well-being. And part of that is your joy. Um, I, I think of this story has been on my mind as we've been talking, um, had the privilege of meeting a woman who had been a, a CEO of a health plan, meaning the insurance payer. And her husband was a brain surgeon, neurosurgeon. Well, he later in life um, contracted brain cancer, oddly enough. And she shared with me that even with his experience in the system operating and her experience with payers, it was still incredibly challenging to navigate his care to find where he could reach that care that he needed. And I'm thinking, then what, what's it like for the Lianguses of the world that don't have a clue or the, you know, John Brown's of the world who, you know, or, or Janet Brown, you know, who they stepped into this world that is incredibly complex. And you've got on one hand, people in their most intimate and vulnerable spaces of life. And, incredibly caring people who want to help and serve and, and make a positive impact. And there's, there's this complexity in between that can block the connection. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's both a challenge and the opportunity for our healthcare leaders these days yeah. uh, to try to bring that joy. I, I think even in some of the most dire circumstances, diagnoses, there can be, I, I watch these providers who, I don't know if I would call it joy, but there's this sense of fulfillment and mission around helping someone at their most vulnerable that I think may parallel joy in some ways. It's a satisfaction of fulfillment that I think is important. Speaks to that spirit that you touched on earlier. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think that's a, a real interesting you know, honing in on on what I mean by joy. You know, joy is almost you know it's the emotional response in in one sense to fulfillment. You know, of of yeah, this worked well, that sort of thing. I mean, I remember you know, and you knew my late wife, uh, Pam. Yeah, Pam. And when we were navigating, just as you were describing, an incredibly complex uh, healthcare system for her treatment uh, of, her, of her cancer. Um, I remember, you know, working with providers. I remember working with, you know, the insurance companies. And there were people in those positions that would remove barriers that were artificially created. Uh, it's kind of like, well, yeah, I know this is a quote unquote a regulation, but there's a way to there's a way to mitigate that. There's a way to work with this. And let me get back to you on that. And the experience as a consumer or, as, you know, or my wife, uh, my late wife as a patient, it was tantamount to joy. It's kind of like somebody's got my back. 
Yes. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel, I feel, I feel better about me as a consequence of this interaction with this person, and that process is 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 important. I remember when Pam was in um, uh, in well a number of times that she was in ICU, and conversations that she would have with nurses, uh, and nice. how uplifted she felt as a consequence of those conversations. Not that they took care of her illness. I mean, the illness was still there. Um, but there was just this, this qualitative, and it was qualitative, not quantitative you know, experience True. Uh, that, that you know, was a difference. And to the, you know, to the point, you know, the healthcare, it, it's not illness treatment, it's wellness, yeah, well, wellness enhancement. Yes. And, and many, yeah. many leaders are driving in that direction and, and trying to get there. And that's what's exciting is is that that leadership creation of the future and creating a culture where you've got people empowered. You know, one thing that comes to mind, Blaine, is um, core values. Yeah. Um, oftentimes, if I work with a leader or at the top of an organization or somewhere down lower that's struggling with joy or trying to find that soulness or that, that joy in their work, oftentimes it's an impingement on core values. Yeah. And um, I think I, I learned and have deep respect for Dr. Charles Sorensen. Charles retired a couple of years as the, from being the CEO of Intermountain Healthcare, highly, highly respected organization um, in the world. And Charles drove home to me um, the place that a, a leader has in and I think if I remember it correctly, he may not have described it this way, but my takeaway from him is, or was, a leader's role is to articulate, identify, articulate, and model the core values. Mm -hmm. And then what that allows people below the leadership level to do is it provides the guardrails for how we make decisions. Mm -hmm. You can either be a leader, which I'll call more of a manager that says, you will run all of the decisions past me. Or you can be the kind of a leader that sets the culture, sets the tone, sets the mission, sets the values, and then allows people's genius to emerge as they seek to fulfill the mission and align with the values. And I think that's a, a big part of the soul of business is find either as a leader defining those values or as not the leader finding the organization where those values are honored and treasured or that you can align with those values. I think joy gets crushed when values are impinged. That that's been my observation at least. I, I love, I love that. I haven't heard it put that way. And I, and I also really appreciate you sharing define, articulate and model. Yeah, just as a as a meme, yeah, for leaders to uh, actually organize around, yeah, because yeah, you know, culture is going to get developed. It can't not be developed it's, one way or the other. One way or the other, it's gonna it's, it's either organically going to emerge without any attention, and then you have to deal with it, or you're going to be mindfully intentional about putting putting it in place. And you can do that at any point in time in any organization, that mindful attention to what's the culture that's going to support that dream, that ideal that, you know, that we as an organization aspire to be and that we as, as individuals aspire to be. I agree. Yeah, I love that. Um, 
What's on the horizon? I mean, we're in the midst of a pandemic right now, and this will be, I'll, I'll close off with this question here. I want to be uh, respectful of your time. Uh, yeah. But on the horizon, in the midst of this COVID uh, experience that we're all having, and what looks to be a second, and some are saying a third wave coming, you know, just, you know, you know almost like a tidal wave. What's the greatest challenge that from, a, a, uh, from your perspective as an organization coaching these you know, under pressure leaders, what's the greatest challenge that, uh, that you're facing and that you think they're facing? Um, the, I think um, being in what I'll call a crucible um, and a crucible, you know, something that is a, a refining instrument wherein a mixture, and I'm probably going to butcher this, but um, my vision of a crucible is uh, uh, something that some raw materials are put in and they are submitted to either pressure or fire or both heat, but it's rather intense and there's some, a refining process that takes place but those crucibles are tiring. So I think one of the biggest challenges I see facing leaders is that um, persistence, that resilience, that stamina yep. to keep eyeballs pointed towards the mission and the vision and the values in the midst of life and death pressures and crises. And it is, it's still here. It's, you know, you, you feel this fatigue that is setting in. So how do you as a leader um, address that in yourself and then provide the, the support that you need to, to those that you're leading? Um, I think that is the, one of the biggest challenges um, that I see leaders in this environment facing right now. And of course, you mentioned before, a lot of the elective uh, procedures uh, for some period of time, and it varies depending on where you are in the organization uh, that you're working in, they get stopped and thus brings incredible financial pressures. And so navigating it is incredibly challenging. Um, again, I don't think you can manage your way through this. I think you have to lead your way through this. And the only way I know is how, how can a leader continually remind this is our mission and these are our values. Let these guide your interactions through these crucible moments. And, and then let's come together as team to co-create coordinated movement in the direction that we need to. Um, biggest challenge for uh, us as coaches, um, probably learning to adapt. Um, you kind of get used to the, the tools of building trust and interpersonal connection is, and face-to-face -face connection is, is one of the tools. And so we've had to adapt to how can we build trusted relationships incredibly fast and incredibly deep without that, you know, through a video connection. And it's different. So we're having to adapt and we're having to, to grow through that. It's one, one might think, in fact, many have told me, you know, I feel so sorry for you, Lee, your, your business is discretionary. In times where revenues are cut, 
your business is going to be um, hurt. Uh, I'm here for you. And uh, has not been the case. If anything, leaders need that outlet more than ever. We've not seen a contraction in our business during the peak of the the pressure and and everything shutting down, locking down, leaders paused. Um, So there wasn't a lot of new sales going on, which you wouldn't expect that because they are, they're focused on what they needed to in that crucible moment. But I think they're seeing the value of having that thought partnership, um, either with their teams or with themselves as leaders or with the leaders that work below in their organizations. And so our work has actually increased. And we, so the challenge for us is adapting to a new delivery mechanism. If yeah. that, I, I'm curious if that resonates with your experience. Oh, it absolutely does. And I was hoping that you would actually touch on that because I, that has been my, my experience. And the idea of these types of services, and I say, and I mean, it is a service uh, that we provide and it's the resource we provide um, to our clients being discretionary. That has never resonated with me in any way, shape or form. Because you know, all, the, all that a coaching environment does, all that a coaching uh, engagement does is opens possibilities for greater improvement. That's, that's all that it's about at the end of the day in my experience. And to be discretionary about that kind of an investment is crazy. Yeah, I mean, the, every journey, people, when people begin a journey that they've never gone on before, the pre, you know, the, it, it's far easier to define what's at risk, what I potentially could lose. True. And it's much more difficult to identify what I can gain. But at the beginning of that journey, there is never, ever going to be as much promise of gain as there, yeah, yeah, at any point in time. Yeah. And, it, and it's, it's at the beginning. There. Yeah. And they're both there. They're both there. And I have to make a decision. And Leaders that are making those decisions today uh, are well served to be not doing it by themselves. I mean, co-creating coordinated movement you know, is not just something that's done in the organization. It's something that I do with my life. You know, who who do I bring in as a thought partner? So I want to I want to just acknowledge that. You know, and the whole idea of values, and I'm going to close off on this. Uh, it's a lot easier for us to speak about our values than it is to live our values in my experience. And when there's a lot of pressure, when there's a lot of stuff going on, that becomes absolutely more critical to pay attention to than at any other time. Um, because that's when the values really get challenged. And the, the, the value of values is that it informs decisions and decisions yes. are what we organize our behavior around. So what are our values? What are we paying attention to? And are we living them in a way that is generative? that's actually going to be serving us long-term. So um, where can people find out more about Medi and uh, what you're up to? Oh, I love that question. Thank you. Um, We are at mediLeadership.org. I think you can either put a mediLeadership.org or mediLeadership.org all together. um, And you can find ways to reach out to us there. Great. Great. Lee, I want to thank you. Uh, You've been listening to Lee Angus uh, talking about the soul of business, and we've been looking at it in the, through the lens of a healthcare uh, uh, focus. And 
Lee, you know, good friend. You know, I love you. Um, I love the work that you're doing, you. and I am honored to be uh, able to call you a friend, and actually to be, you know, to be able to collaborate and work with you on, on an ongoing basis. It's been a fun journey and a fun ride. You've been listening to the Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett, and um, you can find out more about what I'm up to by going to blainebartlett.com, and you'll, you know, there's resources there that you can have access to. Uh, there's videos, there's articles, there's uh, there's a free ebook. As a matter of fact, I'd encourage you to, you know, go to the website uh, and download the free copy of Tapping into the Soul of Business. It's an ebook. It's free. It's available to you. And until next time, uh, have a great rest of your week and we'll see you on the next episode. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.